So the, the narrative of Noah and the flood that we'll be looking at tonight is probably one of the most memorable narratives and stories in, in the entirety of, of Scripture uh, that, that still cultural references and, and just knowledge of uh, today or or mocking movies made out of references to it as well. But, um, but when you think about just this concept of what that narrative describes of a flood, of a, of a catastrophic flood, um, I mean, a flood is an amazing and, and powerful force, even when we think of it well outside just the, the biblical narrative of it, whether that's in terms of like the, the slow rising of water that's just unstoppable, and you can see it coming, but sometimes there's nothing that you can, you can do about it. And as it, as it spreads, it just changes everything that goes across. Um, whether that's a, a hurricane pushing, you know, even if you're not in the, the blast of the winds of the hurricane, it can be pushing uh, the rising waters of the flood up into uh, up to areas of Florida. Some of you have certainly experienced. Or if it's not the slow rise of water, sometimes it's a, the pounding and overpowering uh, waves of, of a tsunami. Right? Whether you think of Japan or... Uh, or, um, or India and Thailand, uh, previous, to, previous to that, Indonesia. Um, water has the, uh, the ability, the, the power of, of forcing us to surrender. Uh, it makes us admit our own helplessness to defend ourselves if the waters are going to rise against us. The text uh, pictures uh, tonight. Now, we're going to do uh, something a little bit unusual, hopefully a good unusual uh, tonight. Uh, and that is that we're going to, I'm going to read the, the entire flood narrative, and that's a little bit unusual because it takes like a little over 10 minutes uh, to read. Um, so, so I want to just encourage you, you can, you can read along if you've got your Bible open. I think a lot of these things we, we listen better with our ears than with, with our eyes. If you want to just um, you know, listen along and kind of hear the story, you can picture yourself back in kindergarten if you want to, and you know, you're pulling up your little mat and you're going you're gonna to listen to the story. Um, but I think it will be, be helpful for us that way. <laughs> but I still want to introduce passages a little bit. Um, right, they say that it takes, uh, it takes hearing something three times to actually learn it or get it. Are you familiar with that? First time you hear something, it falls back out. Second time even, you might not hold, hold on to it. But the third time, you finally get it. So they say it's three times that you have to hear something before you, before you get it. Yeah, I thought I had three times. Okay. Um, so, so I want to kind of, uh, what we're going to do is I'm going to tell you a little bit about what the passage is, is teaching us. Uh, then we're going to read the passage, and then I'm going to try to explain and draw that out further. So you're going to hear the story three times, or hear the significance of the story, both before it, kind of get, laying out the themes, and as we read it, I want you to be listening for that. And we'll go into a little bit more after, after the reading. Uh, it's an amazingly well-told story, if you, if you listen to the narrative. And it's a, it's a story, both of, uh, it's a narrative both of destruction and of salvation, Story of destruction and devastation. Right? If this was a 60-minute special uh, on the uh, on the on the biblical flood you know, from back in the day, and it's and it's got the uh, you know the, the dramatic I- interviews and the uh, the music in the background and, and the pictures of what all happened. Um, I mean, every one of us would be sweeping uh, to to hear about what happened. Uh, this is a story that should make us mourn. It should make us grieve uh, in the pain and the, the tragedy of it. It's a destruction that's not like any other that, that changed the world. It's, it's compared maybe only to the, uh, in Scripture to the final judgment day 
Uh, when Christ returns and all things are made right, but sin is completely judged and, and put away, the day of the Lord. Now, I mean, they wouldn't always think of it that way, right? It's like a, it's a children's story. Like, who ever thought this would make a good children's story? I mean, it has animals in it, and you love animals, but did you, did you hear what's going on in the passage? Uh, we've, we've got one, um, one children's book, and it's mainly uh, uh, a children's story of this, and it's mainly pictures that kind of brings out the scene a little bit, uh, brings out the sense of it a little bit more. On one page, there's the ark, and there's animals going into the boat, but there's one page, there's, uh, there's a lot of giraffes all standing around the boat. And just two of the giraffes are going into the boat. And on the next stage, the next stage, the, uh, the, the, the water's all up over the mountains and everything, and there's the boat on top of the water. And then you can see underneath the water, and there's like animals upside down and horses sideways. And, uh, yeah. Um, but that's the... That gets closer to the sense of what we're actually reading about. It's, it's a story of devastation and destruction. And as we read this, you need to be asking, why would God do this? Right? Why would God do this to the world that he made, that he created? Um, that why is a really important uh, question. Listen and hear how the passage uh, speaks, how it describes that, how it answers that question. Right, but, but just like uh, Genesis 3 isn't the end of the Bible, Genesis 6 or 9 isn't the end of the Bible, it goes on, right? Even after the, the curse of sin from, from the garden, it, it, there's an encouragement, that there's a promise of a redemption, this uh, seed of the woman that's going uh, uh, to put to death and end the, uh, the seed of the, the serpent. Um, so the story continues and in an encouraging way, speaking of rescue and salvation, and it's in this continuum that we hear also with this devastation the, the hope of the gospel, the hope of rescue of salvation, the glory of salvation from utter destruction. It would be like the other side of the 60-minute uh, um, <clears throat> in interview with those who were rescued from worldwide utter annihilation. And they're interviewing Noah or, or Shem and asking, what was it like? How long were you there building, building the ark and telling other people what was coming but no one would listen? What was it like when the rain first started coming? How, how long was it? Can you describe the scene in the boat or, or as you first stepped foot as you're going out of the, the ark? Um, there would even be a sense where overcome with emotion of the grief on the other side, also tears of, of joy and the emotion of, of rescue. That here, here there's, there's been a preservation, a, a salvation. It's a rescue not only of, of Noah and of his family, it's a rescue of humanity itself, of creation itself. It continues uh, to go on. The story of rescue and of salvation. I hope as we read it, you can hear uh, that theme of rescue kind of resounding like a beautiful, beautiful melody up from the loud crashes of destruction that you hear this, this theme come forth. Um, where we hear that hope of the gospel. God remembering his, his promise uh, to the woman, of a seed of a woman who will crush the head of the serpent. That Satan's not victorious uh, here, undefeated. Uh, God's showing that he's a God both of justice and of mercy. He's a God of power uh, and of love. Um, it's telling us the hope of what, what was to come and has now come in part in Christ who was destroyed for us. And his death on the cross uh, to rescue us 
uh, in His resurrection and in us being restored uh, to Him as our King, as, as our King and Savior. So to go through and uh, track through the story, I want you to hear, uh, hear the story, listen to it, and hear, hear in the story that theme of when everyone and everything deserved to be destroyed, that God still brought rescue and salvation by His grace in Christ. Um, that, that's what you're going to hear, utter destruction and amazing uh, salvation. I want to encourage you to let your mind engage, uh, let your emotions engage in it, and get ready to respond in how we're even hearing God's Word. I'm going to try to have a few different things, uh, slides going along with it uh, up there, just, just occasional points to help you understand the text, or if your mind's drifting, maybe it'll bring you back. Um, uh, but, uh, but hear God's Word. We're going to start in uh, Genesis 6, verse 5. Hear the word of, of, of God. Genesis 6, 5. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens. For I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, a blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God. And Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark, and cover it inside and out with pitch. This is how you are to make, the, to make it. The length of the ark, 300 cubits, its breadth 50 cubits, and its height, 30 cubits. Make a roof for the ark and finish it to a cubit above and set the door of the ark in its side. Make it with lower, second, and third decks. For behold, I will bring a flood of waters on the earth to destroy all flesh in which is the breath of life under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall die. But I will establish my covenant with you. And you shall come into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you. And of every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every sort into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female, of the birds according to their kind, and of the animals according to their kinds, of every creeping thing of the ground according to its kind. Two of every sort shall come in to you to keep them alive. And also take with you every sort of food that is eaten and stored up. It shall serve as food for you and for them. Noah did this, and did all that God commanded him. Then the Lord said to Noah, Go into the ark, you and all your household, for I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. Take with you seven pairs of all clean animals, the male and his mate, and a pair of the animals that are not clean, the male and his mate, and seven pairs of the birds of the heavens also, male and female, to keep their offspring alive on the face of all the earth. For in seven days I will send rain on the earth forty days and forty nights. And every living thing that I have made, will blot, I will blot out from the face of the ground. And Noah did all that the Lord had commanded him. 
Noah was 600 years old when the flood came upon the earth. And Noah and his sons and his wives and his sons' wives with him went into the ark to escape the waters of the flood. Of clean animals and of animals that are not clean and of birds and of everything that creeps on the ground, two and two, male and female, went into the ark with Noah as God had commanded Noah. And after seven days, the waters of the flood came upon the earth. In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, on the 17th day of the month, on that day all the fountains of the great deep burst forth, and the windows of heaven were open, and rain fell upon the earth forty days and forty nights. On the very same day, Noah and his sons Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and Noah's wife, and the three wives of his sons with them entered the ark. They, and every beast according to its kind, and all the livestock according to their kinds, and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth according to its kind, and every bird according to its kind, every winged creature. They went into the ark with Noah, two and two of all flesh in which there was the breath of life. And those that entered, male and female of all flesh, went in as God had commanded them. And the Lord shut him in. The flood continued 40 days on the earth. The waters increased and bore up the ark, and it rose high above the earth. The waters prevailed and increased greatly on the earth, and the ark floated on the face of the waters. And the waters prevailed so mightily on the earth that all the high mountains under the whole heaven were covered. The waters prevailed above the mountains, covering them 15 cubits deep. And all flesh died that moved on the earth, birds, livestock, Beasts, all swarming creatures that swarm on the earth, and all mankind, everything on the dry land in whose nostrils was the breath of life, God. He blotted out every living thing that was on the face of the ground, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heaven. They were blotted out from the earth. Only Noah was left, and those who were with him in the ark. And the waters prevailed on the earth 150 days. And God remembered Noah and all the beasts and all the livestock that were with him in the ark. And God made a wind blow over the earth, and the waters subsided. The fountains of the deep and the windows of heaven were closed. The rain from the heavens was restrained, and the waters receded from the earth continually. At the end of 150 days, the water had abated. And in the seventh month, on the 17th day of the month, the ark came to rest on the mountains of Ararat. And the waters continued to abate until the tenth month. And in the tenth month, on the first day of the month, the tops of the mountains were seen. At the end of forty days, Noah opened the window of the ark that he had made and sent forth a raven. He went to and fro until the waters were dried up from the earth. Then he sent forth a dove from him to see if the waters had subsided from the face of the ground. The dove found no place to set her foot. So she returned to him to the ark, for the waters were still on the face of the whole earth. So he put out his hand and took her and brought her into the ark with him. He waited another seven days, and again he sent forth the dove out of the ark. And the dove came back to him in the evening, and behold, in her mouth was a freshly plucked olive leaf. So Noah knew that the waters had subsided from the earth. Then he waited another seven days and sent forth the dove, and she did not return to him anymore. In the 601st year, in the first month, the first day of the month, the waters were dried from off the earth. 
And Noah removed the covering of the ark and looked, and behold, the face of the ground was dry. In the second month, on the 27th day of the month, the earth had dried out. Then God said to Noah, Go out from the ark, you and your wife and your sons and your sons' wives with you. Bring out with you every living thing that is with you of all flesh, birds and animals and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, that they may swarm on the earth and be fruitful and multiply on the earth. So Noah went out, and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him. Every beast, every creeping thing and every bird, everything that moves on the earth went out by families from the ark. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took some of every clean animal and some of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man, for the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I ever again strike down every living creature as I have done. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. The fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every bird of the heavens and upon everything that creeps on the ground and all the fish of the sea. Into your hand they are delivered. Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. And as I gave you the green plants, I give you everything. You shall not eat flesh with its life, that is, its blood. And for your lifeblood, I will require a reckoning. From every beast, I will require it, and from man. For from his fellow man, I will require a reckoning for the life of man. Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For God made man in his own image. And you, be fruitful multiply, team on the earth, and multiply in it. And God said to Noah and to his sons with him, Behold, I establish my covenant with you, and your offspring after you, and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the livestock, and every beast of the earth with you, as many as come out of the ark. It is for every beast of the earth. I establish my covenant with you that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood. And never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, This is the sign of the covenant that I make between me and you, and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. I have set my bow in the clouds, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring the clouds over the earth, And the bow is seen in the clouds. I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the waters shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant that I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. The grass withers and the flower fades, uh, but the word of the Lord uh, endures forever. Uh, hopefully you're able to, to follow along uh, with that. It's a, it's a long, uh, long reading, but an incredible uh, story. It's an amazing historical uh, event. And so we've said what we saw in it. Hopefully you could hear that as a reading. I want to continue to try to uh, track through that, right? There's a lot of things you can notice that it's longer than just, you know, the 40 days and 40 nights that you've heard. It's actually, if you're paying attention to all the numbers, it's a year and you know, 10 days or something. Um, but did you, did you hear as you 
she had a story, just the, the utter devastation. Uh, did you hear the amazing rescue and salvation involved in it? The hope of the gospel reminiscent in it, pointing us out to Christ, the glory of the gospel. What about those questions, why? Right? Why, why, the, why the destruction? Why the devastation? Why would God do this? Why did he? Uh, the answer is pretty clear uh, in the text. Uh, I think it's really painful uh, to hear. The, the answer is clear. The answer in the text is that it, it, it was deserved. But that kind of annihilation, uh, complete devastation, is, is what we deserve. That's how messed up and evil uh, we are. Right? The, uh, every, every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And that's not just uh, before the flood, but, but you hear the same thing afterwards in 821. Uh, the thoughts of his heart are, are uh, evil continually, evil from his youth. The answer may be clear, but it, it's not easy. Uh, I think it's, it's painfully hard to, to think about when, <coughs> when, when disaster strikes uh, from flood or rains or, uh, or hurricanes or, or tsunamis, uh, people re- respond with compassion and with generous compassion. I think that's, I think that's good, right? We, 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 when that happens, we go, these people didn't deserve for that calamity to, to happen to them, and we want to, uh, we want to help in that time of need, right? And there's a, there's a truth there. We, what we're saying is that they don't deserve it any more than any of us, and that... That's a good uh, assumption. There's nothing about them that had happened to them in, instead of to us. Um, when you look at that kind of devastation, that's the response. I remember when uh, back in the uh, tsunami uh, in Indonesia, um, <coughs> some of the news stories over there, and here's the man on the on the beach and with the microphone reporting to it, and you can see just 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 clumps uh, behind him of, of bodies that had been. Uh, Killed in the flood, um, in the waves of it, just just still lying around. Um, it's grotesque uh, to, to to look at. And I don't know about you, but I have a hard time uh, looking at something like that or reading this narrative and saying, "That's what I deserve." That's what uh, that's what all of us deserve. Um, the biblical flood was way worse than the things that we've seen. Uh, and the reason that it's hard is I don't want to think that the people that I know and love deserve that. And particularly, I don't, I don't want to admit that, that I deserve it. Like, you know, like signing your own death warrant, feels like to, to admit it. Um, but God, the picture of the Bible is that God is, is just. Uh, he sees beyond what we see. He sees even to the heart into the evil uh, in our hearts. It says God's grieved by it. He's, he's sorrowful over it. It's, it's hurtful uh, to him. Uh, the destruction was, was deserved. And what we're doing to God, who's over all and who, who ought to be getting glory from it that is made from him and, and for him, uh, but it turned, we turned against him. The scripture says that this destruction is deserved. Um, but it also speaks of another destruction, uh, a devastation that, that wasn't deserved. The day that the Son of God was nailed to the cross wasn't deserved. Uh, when the sun went black, when the earth shook, uh, because the only innocent, uh, perfect person ever was condemned. 
wasn't deserved um, when Jesus' voice uh, called out from the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Uh, it was not deserved uh, when Jesus breathed his last and, and gave up his spirit. Uh, when the sinless one uh, died and endured the destruction I uh, deserved for sin. It wasn't deserved that he should suffer, that he should be uh, destroyed by it. Uh, but on that day, uh, the hope of the gospel of a just God was shown true. That the evil isn't going to always continue forever, that he's going to put it uh, down. It's seen true in the punishment of Jesus. But it wasn't only a display of judgment, destruction, but also salvation and rescue. The destruction, as obliterating and ugly as it was, um, uh, brought, brought hope and life to us through the resurrection. The destruction of the flood, as ugly as it was, was deserved. But then, if it was deserved, then why the rescue? Why does God save Noah? Right? Why the amazing salvation if the utter destructions deserved? And the answer is very clear uh, in the text. I know, six eight, I mean, Genesis 6 to 8 says, Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. It's God's grace, um, in, in other words. It's an amazing salvation because of God's amazing grace that he would show. Um, God not treating him as he deserved, uh, but showing him favor, showing him kindness, showing him goodness and love uh, instead. And then this is the character of the God of the Bible all through Scripture. He shows love to the undeserving. Um, he, he, loves to, uh, he loves to heap up blessing and pour out goodness when it's unexpected, uh, when it's undeserved, when it's unearned. It's always his way of salvation. is one of grace, amazing grace, finding favor from the Lord. Um, and I want to be clear that the reason that Noah finds favor is not his own goodness. It's not Noah's goodness, right? Several times in the text it says, and this is good, that Noah was a, was a righteous person. Um, and uh, if, you, if I wanted to read on a few more verses, but I figured I should stop after already reading for, for 12 minutes. But it goes on just to, you know, it happens right after the, the narrative of the flood. Uh, right, right just past it, Noah... Uh, he comes a man of the field and he plants a vineyard, grows some grapes, and makes some wine. Um, it's just a little tipsy. It's more than a little bit tipsy. Uh, gets closed off, uh, closed off, naked, passed out, drunk uh, with the wine. That's, that's what it describes, right? He became drunk and lay uncovered in his tent. Um, verse, in verse 21 there. Uh, so, so if God had shown him favor because Noah was good, well... It would seem that God picked the wrong guy. Um, Noah's described as, uh, as, as righteous and blameless. I'm not one to, to undercut that, but, but even the New Testament, look back on it, emphasizes uh, this is specifically Noah's faith in trusting God. Um, you look at Hebrews 11 with it. His faith in trusting and following God's command. It's a, it's a righteousness that comes uh, by faith looking to him. So when it comes to the, you know, after the flood, it says every intention, uh, it says uh, his, the, his heart is evil from his youth, including Noah and his family. who are the only ones saved through the flood. Uh, the, his righteousness, his goodness is never presented as reasons for his finding uh, favor. Um, uh, he, he, Noah even understands his need for a sacrifice uh, after the flood, after not being destroyed, a thankfulness to God. 
Um, and to make that clear, that neither are we ever going to find God's favor by being righteous, by being a good person, by being a better person than we think some other people are. Uh, and instead, it's by God's grace. Uh, it's answered by, by God's covenant, seeing sin and still promising never to destroy, uh, and that way again, establishing his relationship of promise and grace with his people, his promise of this relationship where ultimately he will rescue and draw into full fellowship back what things were intended to be from creation in the garden, that he's going to restore that, that he's going to restore it through uh, his own son being righteous for us, condemned for us, but raised for us in hope. Um, <clears throat> a rescue by a redeemer, the seed of the woman, uh, that would end all the evil and make things finally right. It's God's promise. He remembers his promise to save his covenant. That's where the whole narrative turns, is in uh, chapter 8, verse 1, it says, but God remembered Noah. He remembered his covenant, his promise with Noah. And the waters begin to abate, to go down. God shows uh, his grace because he wants to. Because he is a gracious God. He is a God who saves, who, who rescues. Um, he, he's, he's proving it to us because God's amazing and he delights to save us even knowing our sin. It's not hidden from him. So here's the, that other side of the hope of the gospel in it. It's not only a display of, of deserved judgment and an utter destruction uh, pointing to, to Christ, but it's also a display of generous salvation and amazing rescue that God's so gracious to allow uh, his, his son to suffer uh, in order to save people who deserve to be wiped out, um, deserve to be annihilated um, in the flood because of the evil of our hearts. Um, because of his desire to save, though, he gives, uh, he gives new, uh, clean hearts that, that, that desire uh, that learn obedience and love. Because <clears throat> uh, his desire to show the glory of his Son, the glory of Jesus to us who died while we were still sinners. The hope that comes to us through it. The destruction and the rescue come together here in the flood. They come together uh, in the judgment of Christ for our salvation. Uh, as the righteous one who stands in the place of sinners, uh, condemned uh, in our place, on our behalf, for what we have done to rescue us from it, that we might experience God's favor, God's mercy, and His love and confidence and hope uh, through Him. You, you hear in the story the, the devastation, and you see why. The text says it's deserved. And you hear the rescue, and you see why, that it's God's grace, the light and the save. But you can't help reading the story and asking the question still, where do you fit in? Right, we'd like to be like Noah and not those swept away in the, in the water. Right, and the goodness of the gospel is that the offer of God's grace goes out to all. Uh, the, the offer of it goes out to all to be uh, saved in Christ, that he would experience the judgment and condemnation for us, uh, that we get to share in his resurrection, life, and hope, and fullness of God's love through him. But the destruction and the rescue go together. They go together. The flood uh, and the cross, they go together uh, in us in a certain way. You don't get to experience salvation without recognizing that you deserve the judgment. You don't get to just hope for the rescue without also admitting that the, the judgment's what you deserve to be drowned and destroyed. 
hard to swallow, hard to want to say, that we deserve, to put it more fully, that we deserve what Jesus received on the cross. And that only he can bring the full rescue that we need. Even that only he can bring the recreation of our hearts and our, our, our lives that we need. It comes back to the gospel focus of, of our response is always repentance and faith. Our repentance and faith together, admitting what we really deserve from God. For our sin, for the evil in our hearts. We try to ignore even ourselves. Uh, admitting that and turning from a trust that he's able, uh, he's able not only in knowing and seeing it, he's able to change it. He's able to cover over the penalty that we deserve and still uh, take us as his own. Show us his love and bring us into his uh, perfection, his completed uh, paradise in Christ. The flood brings us back to the point of helplessness and hopefully surrender. We're not able to do anything if the waters of the flood rise against us. We don't have the power to save ourselves, to resist, uh, to to run, to to protest, or to to in some way, shape, or form get out of it. Uh, The rising waters have the power to overwhelm uh, and destroy us. But through the gospel of Christ, uh, God has the power to save us, rescue us, and destroy us, uh, and, and, and save us. Um, so it comes back, uh, uh, if you want, the, the 60 minutes. Uh, amazing story of, of rescue from it. Um, that we get to be part of those people who are interviewed through it. In Christ, we get to experience this, this salvation of humanity continuing on and even continuing into God's promises. <clears throat> Amazing story of rescue of how one man gave his life so that many others would be saved from the flood. Uh, we get to be the stories of God's amazing grace, and we get to share the story of his grace with others. Uh, the hope of the gospel, seeing the flood, has been proved true in the cross. And through the resurrection, we get to experience and live it out, hoping and longing for the day when Christ returns.